Welcome to Transition, Gadgets 360's Games and Pop Culture podcast. In today's episode, we've got both gaming and pop culture related topics. First, we'll be talking about a bunch of things related to gaming, such as Sony at Paris Games Week, Call of Duty World War II, Animal Crossing Pocket Camp, Nintendo's financials, and Ashes Cricket. And in the pop culture segment, we will be talking about Thor Ragnarok, which is a fantastic movie made by Marvel. So first of all, we'll start with the gaming section and we will bring you to the pop culture section after a short break. So stay tuned. In the gaming segment of the podcast, we've got regulars Rishi Halwani. Good morning, people. And friend of the podcast, Mikhail Madnani is also here. Yes, he is. Yeah, and I'm your host Pranay Parab. So we've moved our studio and the sound quality may not be up to our usual standards. And we may also die uh, midway through the podcast because of the paint smell over here. But we'll get used to it, I guess. So yeah, so to start with, I think we should talk about Sony at Paris Games Week. Yeah, so uh, Sony usually has two big, annu- two big events in the year where they announce stuff. One is obviously E3 and the other one is usually the PlayStation or PS experience which happens in December in the US. This time, uh, they've br- apparently, they've brought some announcements forward from the place, from PSX to Paris Games Week to the media showcase over there. And uh, there's some speculation that they've done this because they need to like increase their media presence in Europe and basically just announce stuff over there. So uh, we actually had two hours approximately of announcements yesterday. The first was a pre-show which had uh, some really good announcements and a lot of boring VR announcements. But the main showcase had some new trailers for games like The Last of Us 2, Spider-Man, God of War. Uh, The unfortunate side of things which I think we all come to expect from Sony is no release dates for anything. God of War doesn't have a release date yet. Spider-Man doesn't have a release date yet. Last of Us 2 doesn't even say a year at the end. So basically, I think they're they're holding their date close until they can announce it. Uh, The pre-show was pretty disappointing because uh, some some of the hosts hyped up Final Fantasy announcements while everyone expected Final Fantasy VII Remake. What we actually got was release dates for Final Fantasy XV DLC that no one cares about. And uh, there were some interesting indie game announcements like Guacamelee 2 got announced. It's coming to PlayStation 4 and probably PC platforms. Spelunky 2 got announced, which is the most shocking announcements of the night for me because what do you even do in a sequel to Spelunky? Dig more. Uh, That's coming to PS4 in addition to Steam. And uh, the only major AAA announcement I'd say from the night was Sucker Punch's new IP. Like this is the first game since Infamous Second Son. And uh, what do you think about that, Rishi? Meh, it seems okay. It's called Ghost of Tsushima. It could end up being... Either an action, it looks like an action uh, RPG of sorts, could have some open world elements. Uh, it started off, started off with a very weird, uh, con- con- it basically started off with this warlord kind of guy who seems to have captured a samurai and has told them, uh, you've prepared by the, for this day by doing X, Y, and Z. I've prepared by uh, looking at your entire land and figured out which villages to burn to the ground and which ones to keep and uh, what what's your response and stuff like that. So it seemed interesting, but again, no no gameplay. It's all cinematic at this stage. Um, it'll be when it's out, nothing. There's no information at this point in time. And to be honest, uh, I think that's a general theme with uh, Sony at Paris Games Week this year. Uh, in the past, we've seen announcements for Gran Turismo Sport. We've seen announcements for Uncharted. In fact, Paris Games Week a couple of years ago was this was a place where Sony announced all the details for Uncharted 4's uh, single player, uh, multiplayer mode, which is a big deal and has ended up being you know one of the better 
uh, implementations of multiplayer this generation. But this time around, it just seems super low key. It just seemed that there were announcements for the sake of announcements, for the sake of being relevant. Uh, and it makes sense because if you look at the bigger picture, uh, we're a week away from the Xbox One X launch. Sony need to do something to stay relevant. It's not like they can do a PS4 Pro 2. You know, they just did a PS4 Pro last year. So to me, it just seems like an exercise in trying to be relevant and trying to show the world that, yeah, we might not have the most powerful console, but we do have the games and we have them in a plenty. And, you know, those who bought a PS4 or a PS4 Pro don't need to trade it in and pick up a One X because we have enough games to keep you covered. It just seems to be an exercise in retention more than anything else. I mean, if you trade your PS4 Pro for a One X, what, you're going to get Assassin's Creed running better, but you're losing out on like a shitload of games. Yeah, Assassin's Creed running on the Xbox One X being better is kind of debatable at this stage because uh, even though Microsoft and Ubisoft wanted everyone and their grandmother to play the game on Xbox One X, we have heard independent reports of mild stuttering and a few other frame frame drop issues. So that's debatable at best at this stage. But who knows, maybe a day one patch fixes that. Mm. All right then. So, is there anything else from Paris Games Week that we need to know about? Uh, it was interesting seeing a focus on indies again after Jim Ryan basically said they are not relevant, or he said that talking about them is not relevant when we ba- they basically spend half their showcase talking about indies and not just VR ones. Obviously, they're going to try and push VR before it becomes the next 3D or whatever for them. But uh, yeah, it was interesting seeing some of the indie announcements. I think it it doesn't have. To, I don't think it's. I think it's reached a point where certain formats like VR, certain formats uh, like, yeah, VR particularly in this case, require an indie push because you're not going to have Activision or EA uh, or Ubisoft put a lot of money into it or a lot of time or investment. And I mean, we just saw it yesterday with CCP shutting down their own VR studio. So there's a good possibility that the VR quote unquote revolution, if at all, will be led by the indies. Hmm. And I think it's a step in the right direction, more so when you consider how Oculus has approached it, which has, which has, which is in a similar vein. I mean, if you look at a lot of the games for the Rift, you wouldn't have heard of the developers behind it, but the quality is there, the content's there. So I think that's one way of making sure VR is there, it's a thing and is a key differentiator because, I mean, like I said, right, we're a week away from the One X launch, even though PSVR is right now the probably the best-selling heads, uh, VR headset of it all is. time. Uh the games aren't there yet. I mean, unless you count uh, Gran Turismo Sport VR, which is amazing, but then limited that one mode in arcade. So, But that's yeah. going to be a thing for AAA, like, except for Resident Evil, I'd say, is the outlier where you can play the whole game from start to finish in VR. All the others are just going to have, like, a mode. Like, Star Wars Battlefront just had a separate VR mode. Yep. Battlefront 2, I don't even know if they have one, but... Uh, no, what I meant is, in general, showing indie games, not just VR ones, like, whatever... This is something which they didn't do at E3, so I like this a lot more than the E3 showcase. But uh, yeah, like basically don't uh, don't feed into the hype or whatever because uh, there were a few people who've been saying uh, this is going to be, they've actually held back stuff from other events. E- this is going to be bigger than E3 and all. For AAA stuff, not really. I still think PlayStation experience will have better announcements. we probably get Yakuza Kiwami 2 localization or something. But uh, yeah, this is basically something which went on last night for like two hours. Yeah, I mean... The, for a lot of people, I think PlayStation Experience will st- still have the bigger announcements because it's Sony's event event that's directly for the fans. That actually people actually pay to go there. So obviously, Sony would want to make sure there's some announcements that, that are worth their you know cost of entry at the very least. It's another thing altogether when you uh, well uh, uh, you know jerk off the media and just show them stuff which no one cares about. But uh, yeah, I mean you want to make sure at least your end users know what they're getting into. 
All right. Uh, you want to talk about Call of Duty World War Two? Yeah. So uh, as is the case every year, Call of Duty is sold early in some markets. <coughs> Dubai. <coughs> so yeah, the game's been sold early. Actor and uh, Activision in its in its infinite glory, uh, more like infinite warfare. Am I right? Has decided that uh, they should they, they that you can't play Call of Duty World War Two without a day one ten gig patch. Now, this has a lot of repercussions and it also means a lot of things right now. That means tomorrow, someone picks up a copy of Call of Duty and doesn't have a fast enough internet connection, they can't even access the single player campaign. All right, let that sink in. Secondly, it also means that Activision has basically admitted defeat and it can't control the fact that its product gets leaked year on year every year. It's been a staple of a street date breaks on Call of Duty have been a staple for almost five or seven years now. And uh, it just shows they can't they can't control the problem. They can't control it being sold early. So they're doing the next best thing, or in this case, the next worst thing, because uh, they've never said prior to launch that you'd need an internet connection to access a single player campaign. And I and what, granted, yes, the multiplayer of Call of Duty rakes in a lot of money. The microtransactions are probably worth the in pure value terms are probably more or equal to the amount they earn in terms of copied sales of copies of the game. But it still ends up uh, being a situation where you're locking out a significant chunk of. It still ends up being a situation where you're locking out a significant chunk of users from any experience of the game. So it's really tragic that they had to take this step simply because uh, if you look at the Blizzard side of Activision, they're very, very careful about how street date breaks. Uh, they make sure street date breaks don't even happen. There are situations where Blizzard's own representatives would be set, dispatched to each and every region, each and every country. Or emerging markets particular in particular to make sure that distributors play by the rules and stock doesn't leak early. And it's worked very well for them. Uh, with Activision, though, it seems to be a situation where they just send legal documents to distributors expecting them to, you know, play ball. And fact of the matter is, stock still leaks early anyway. So it's just like, oh, we can't find a proper legal solution. We can't find a way to supervise and ensure stock shows up on time. So, hey, let's mess around completely and make the preservation of the game even tougher. Because what this essentially means is, go, uh, down the line, if you're the sort of person who likes Call of Duty campaigns and wants to play it on, let's say, a console which doesn't isn't connected to the internet, or, le or let's say PSN is down, or let's say P Sony doesn't support the PS4, or, or let's just say the PC version for some reason doesn't have that patch, what are you going to do? You're, you're basically locked out of a game you've purchased. And it's a very disturbing trend because I think... If this works, which it will because it's Call of Duty, we're probably going to see more developers do this going forward, which basically means uh, you could be locked out of your single player campaign if you don't have an internet connection, which is dis disturbing, extremely disturbing to me. But that's just one part of the problem there. Uh, the other part altogether, and which is probably more relevant for a lot more people, even in India, is the possibility that Call of Duty World War II's DLC will not work in India. Now, the game comes with three pre-order bonuses. Uh, two of them are cosmetic. The third is really important. It gives you an XP boost when you play multiplayer. So now the copies of Call of Duty World War II in India officially are Australian copies, right, Mike? Yes. And uh, if I'm and now the thing is with with well, what people should understand is at least on PlayStation. Now this isn't a problem that that affects PC and Xbox One users, but in a country with two hundred thousand PS4s, it does matter when a publisher has different uh, DLC for different has, has region locked DLC across regions now most publishers a lot of publishers keep Australia India UK in a, in a similar bucket 
But what Activision does to the publisher of Call of Duty is they ensure that Australia is a separate region on its own, India is a separate region on its own, and uh, so is uh, em- emerging European markets. So you probably have France and Germany under the same thing. UK has a separate skew altogether. Now, because that's how they've demarcated it, there's a very good possibility that people with Indian uh, PlayStation Network accounts may not be able to access the DLC or any uh, pre-order content on Call of Duty World War Two. So the thing is, uh, with how DLC is handled on consoles and on PC, whenever you have something that's treated as a consumable or a service, that's only available for the primary account on the system. Because... Um, like while a lot of people account share for getting the game for half price basically across two consoles any microtransactions or consumables are not shared so uh with call of duty any multiplayer microtransactions will not work for the other person and uh, like the xp boost is probably a consumable item i mean i experienced this firsthand with assassin's creed origins uh some of the deluxe pack includes three ability points now these are consumable they don't work on my primary account because it's not an indian account so if you want to use the consumables, you need to use that. Now, the problem with Call of Duty is the official stock here comes from Australia. And uh, Activision, like he said, is known to have separate re- separate DLC for each region, which is not applicable for the others. So while uh, if there was a pre-order mission or a map, it might work on your Indian account. Any consumable items that are pre-orders, you might need to create and play the game on the Australian account. Now, uh, until we actually get a copy in hand, we can't confirm this, but... Uh, Given how how PlayStation Network handles regions and DLC, uh, basically go with caution, expecting... Like, if you do want to pick up the Season Pass or the Pro Edition, which is obviously not sold in India physically, uh, you might need to buy it from another region because uh, the ones bought in India, PSN, are not going to work. Or, obviously, you could just buy it digitally if you want, and that'll just remove the drama completely. But yeah, this is a thing to keep in mind because uh, a lot of the copies sold in India for Infinite Warfare uh, through other means... Uh, the copy of uh, Modern Warfare Remastered in the Legacy Edition will actually not work on the Indian account and you need to make another region account and download it. So expect to do that for Call of Duty World War II. And uh, given when you couple that with the 10 or 11 GB day one patch just to play the campaign, it's not looking good right now, to be honest. So uh, basically a little disappointed with this because yeah, Call of Duty doing something means it's going to get accepted with the mainstream. And we'll probably see something like this in the future. And uh, we only got to know about this because early unboxings from press and media outlets like PlayStation Access happened for the console, which is the camouflage PS4. And there's a nice big warning above the Peggy 18 rating, which says uh, internet required. This is the first time we've known about this with Gran Turismo Sport, while a lot of it is locked behind online. They've said this in blog posts multiple times. It says that on the cover as well. Uh, over here, we've just learned about it when we've actually seen a real copy of the game, not in any of the websites uh, on any of the online stores that have a listing for Call of Duty. So, yeah, pretty bad move, according to me. I mean, it's the quintessential bait and switch at this case because, uh, I mean, obviously Activision will not want anything to come out that uh, impacts the game's revenue potential. But the very fact that this is a thing uh, could, could end up uh, hitting it harder than you expect, particularly in in other in markets like ours, particularly and it, which is bad enough because uh, what happens year on year, at least in markets like India, is that half the stock that gets sold here is Middle East stock, is stock from other regions. Compound DLC issues with a colossal day one patch and uh, 
you have a recipe for fiscal disaster considering that you know activision is a sort of company that wants its distributors to sell more copies month on month year on year day on day uh, to the point where uh, they're actually offering retailers bonuses wherein uh, hey if you buy 200 copies of world war 2 we're going to give you 20% margin and we're going to give you uh, free cop- we're going to give you free copies of infinite warfare to sell to your customers yeah that's actually the uh, uh, bonuses they're giving this time around to retail so uh, another thing to consider is while like if you play on pc you probably are like i don't care about this uh call of duty on pc is an afterthought almost all the time if you look at the sales numbers it's like barely holds a candle to even xbox one let alone ps4 so and while xbox one also won't have this dlc problem uh, in india those two put together will probably make up maybe 20% or 30% of the ps4 sales for uh, call of duty Yeah that that's about true you're looking at max to max 20% uh and honestly the other problem is you guys also have to keep in mind that the studio working on Call of Duty this year is Sledgehammer Games uh from the three studios that work on Call of Duty games year on year you have Infinity you have you have Infinity Ward you have Sledgehammer Games and you have Treyarch from the three Sledgehammer's pretty much the worst when it comes to PC optimizations the best of the bunch has been Treyarch and our experience followed by Infinity Ward simply because there is a certain amount of polish and attention to detail that's given to the PC versions and uh, in the past we've even seen situations where they've taken into account server requirements for PC they've taken into account uh, the community feedback and it's worked so far for at least Black Ops 3 Yeah Black Ops 3 I I mean I'd be willing to lay down money and bet that Black Ops 3 will have a larger player base in 6 months than World War 2 on PC still because people are still playing that game it's kind of become how Modern Warfare 2 or Modern Warfare 1 was on PC earlier where like you probably have seen this uh, meme image where uh, there's a group which says boycott Call of Duty Modern Warfare until we get dedicated servers but everyone in the group is playing Modern Warfare so Yeah uh, I mean Modern, Modern Warfare 2 Yeah sorry Modern, Modern Warfare, Warfare 2, 2. Yeah. so uh, Black Ops 3 still has an active player base. I mean the devs are still working on it. They're still adding features. In fact, it got a re-release on PS4 and Xbox One a few months after Infinite Warfare. That pretty much speaks for how well that game did and is still doing on the multiplayer side of things. So, yeah, not not really happy with what's happened with World War 2. So, yeah. So basically, onto better news though. Yeah, but hold on. Basically, Call of Duty World War 2 comes with a nasty surprise, clearly. for all those people who expected a you know single player campaign at least more like nazi surprise but okay yeah <laughs> that's a better game though <laughs> oh the new colossus oh yes yeah all right we'll we'll get to that yeah. in the in the after show so yeah uh, better news is i think nintendo's financials and the fact that animal crossing pocket camp is coming to android and iphone Yeah so let's let, let's handle a second one first because that's more amusing. Yeah so last week we spoke about uh, the fact that Nintendo is hosting a direct for Animal Crossing previously and, on transition. Yeah and other than that we didn't know much about it and I think straight after we released the podcast maybe a few four or five hours after that the Nintendo Direct happened and they announced a lot of interesting things. So Rishi Yeah so I mean it depends what your definition of interesting is because for those of us who've been playing Assass- uh, not Assassin's Creed for those <laughs> For those who are different AC man <laughs> there we go so for those of us who've been playing animal crossing it is basically nintendo spending 45 minutes explaining what animal crossing is and we kind of touched upon that on the last podcast where you basically you know farm uh, speak to people pay your dues go into a whole regiment style of living which is and it's in a small town uh so yeah nintendo explained all that uh, and uh, well what do you know the games are ready in close is ready in beta in uh, australia 
and the fact that it's on Android and it's in beta means, uh, well, APKs have been floating around. So I did check it out over the weekend. And long story short, it's uh, quite possibly, again, in my experience, uh, quite possibly one of the best implementations of free-to-play mechanics. So before we like get into all of that, let's just break the bad news for Indian people. Uh, this game is not officially releasing in India at launch. Uh, yeah, like it, oh, India is not, not on the, the list. China is not on the list. Yeah. It's it's perplexing. Uh, considering we got Super Mario Run, you'd think we'd get this, but then we didn't get Fire Emblem Heroes yet. Yeah. So Fire Emblem Heroes, they actually announced earlier in the day that uh, they are going to expand to more Asian markets. Whether India comes under this, we won't know. But yet. India is not in Asia according to Nintendo. Yeah, India doesn't exist according to Nintendo. Yeah. But... Uh, they did announce that they're expanding, so we'll see what happens. I know a lot of people over here who play and spend a lot of money on it, so whatever. But obviously, to Nintendo, that money comes through other accounts, so they probably don't think anyone here is playing it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the funny thing about Animal Crossing is last time I literally said that one of the best case scenarios would be just take Animal Crossing as it is, add free-to-play mechanics to it, and that's literally what they did. Mm. So there are timers, obviously, you can spend money and... Uh, <laughs> the funny thing is you're actually spending real money t- at Tom Nook now. <laughs> so the meme is now a reality. Yeah. So. And you also mentioned a couple of uh, Animal Crossing games, right? Like Happy... Happy Home Designer. Yeah. So and New Leaf. New Leaf is basically yeah. what they've tried to ape over here and, yep, and yep. they made it free yeah. to play. Hmm. Uh, it looks like they've put in a good amount of effort, at least from whatever I've seen through gameplay videos and all. We'll probably not bother with it unless it launches here officially. By and large, I don't think I, even I'd be bothering unless they launch officially. Like at this point, they, they really need to understand that you know, this is a mobile game and a free-to-play mobile game will have an audience like across the world. Yeah. So you really can't do this but when then, you launch like they, only in few countries. They're so backwards with this stuff that the Super Mario Odyssey theme song on iTunes is not available in India. Yeah, I really don't understand that. Like, at it, least. it could be worse though. Uh, uh, for those listening, if you're a fan of Square Enix's music, uh, people who bought their music here, including myself, they've just pulled all their music from all digital storefronts that sold it in India. And uh, if you hadn't taken a backup, your music is basically gone. And uh, Apple says contact Square Enix because uh, you should take regular backups. And Square Enix is not responding at all to anyone about this. So yeah, basically, few of us got ripped off with Square Enix music. So at least Nintendo's not selling it or instead of selling it and then removing it later. So yeah, but uh, the interesting thing about uh, the financials for Nintendo is uh, they're almost on track at outselling the Wii U within a year on Switch. I mean, which is kind of to be expected given how well the reception's been and how... It's reached a point where it's cool to say that everyone wants every game on the Switch. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's doing quite well. They're probably going to beat that. But what's what's even more interesting is uh, we kind of have zero idea of what to expect for year two on the Switch. We already have a very strong year one with Zelda, with Mario, uh, and with Xenoblade Chronicles 2 coming out, and Splatoon 2, uh, and Mario Kart. So my point is, I have a very strong year one, year two. We still don't know. So, we do actually. I mean, you we have the have... first quarter, and what they probably will do is do a direct early in the year, and then exactly. show stuff. But for now, we already know Q1 has a, a new Yoshi game, a new Kirby game. Yeah, exactly. The Kirby and Yoshi games were shown at uh, I think also, one of the videos uh, earlier. Direct. Dragon Quest Builders getting ported. Then we have some indies which are getting coming day and date, but. Uh, I'd say like just having two big games for the first quarter and one big third party game is enough. They're so probably first quarter would be like uh, January to March, right? Yeah, so far they haven't announced anything for Jan. I think they'll exactly. do one in December. But uh, Feb and March will probably see Kirby and the Yoshi game. Yeah. So but And I- they'll uh, they'll have a big direct before their financial 
which is another thing they usually do which will talk about upcoming game like we need to uh, remember that the stuff which was announced in january is almost all coming out now and is almost all already out Okay. In fact, just having Xenoblade Two not being delayed is a big deal. I think. True. I mean, in a way, yeah, it does seem like clockwork. But then I don't know if you compare it again to other publishers. I think uh, Nintendo has been a little more efficient with its announcements. That's why it doesn't. Which is why I mean, if you think of it from a long-term play, it doesn't seem like anything's out. But you got a point. Yeah, with their directs, they've been quite efficient. We usually and get And also, look happen. at the third-party releases that happened on the Switch. I mean, you have stuff like FIFA 18, even though the journey mode is not there. Forget you FIFA. That's NBA. like that's a garbage. Whatever yeah, FIFA is pretty bad. NBA yeah. is the same game, hmm. except it runs at 30 FPS. It's the same game. Yeah. Everything, even the microtransactions are there. They've not cut out anything. That's a. It's a really good port of a really good game. And we have to remember that FIFA and NBA across the world are the highest-selling sports games. Yeah. So like this is a and big WWE game. is coming soon yeah. as well. But like uh, third party support's been really good. Although like Skyrim at sixty dollars is still funny. But you have Skyrim, Doom, and LA Noir coming yeah. here. So that's. Pretty I good. don't know. I, I I'm I have a feeling we're gonna see a situation where look we're we're at a place where I think the the attach rate, which is the number of games per Switch, and what Nintendo said was I think three point eight six. Yeah, it's nearly four. Nearly per four, per, which is pretty healthy in itself. Because if you to to give you an example with the PS four, at least in year one, it was I think two point five games per user. Oh, you mean people weren't excited by Killzone, Shadowfall, and Knack? Yeah, I mean that's the problem. I yeah, mean, and, bad but you know, funny thing is they uh, still don't really have any online service announcement uh, far yeah, as that's I have a feeling disturbing. what we're going to do is uh, we're going to have a Nintendo Direct before Xenoblade one last one after that they're probably going to do something around Christmas because there's a rumor that themes are coming to the Nintendo Switch on Christmas day so they probably excuse me they probably will do something around that time where they talk about the online service paid what's not going to be available in which region which is something people in India need to pay attention to because Nintendo is capable of IP locking that nonsense. Yeah, yeah, so. but I don't think they're going to do that because you then lock out a lot of people who are like you lock out a bunch of other people uh, in the process as well. And it wasn't a, when Microsoft tried doing this with the Xbox One, it didn't end up uh, being received too well. I think they'd be aware of that. Uh, what I would suggest though is that if you're an existing Switch owner, now would be the time to save up uh, for a. Or for a high capacity micro SD card. Yeah, exactly. So that was my next question. Uh, what do you think will happen in terms of hardware? I'm pretty sure we are not going to see anything in year two. Uh, but year I, three, at least, they need to do an upgrade where they increase the memory capacity. And secondly, I would say a better Wi-Fi chip is essential now. I think the that will happen in maybe two and a half or three years, not before that. But year two, I think we'll see a 64 GB SKU because... Uh, Remember when Apple stopped doing 16 GB phones? It's not because they care about you. It's because it it actually was more expensive to do 16 GB compared to yeah, 32 because yeah. they stopped making that. That's probably what will happen to Nintendo. Like they'll just have to move to 64, and by then you can offset a price drop because you you charge 300 dollars and you say now you're getting double the storage, and then maybe throw away throw in a game also because uh, when we're about two years into the life, they can bundle something like mm. at that time one two switch will be bundled, which mm. should have happened at launch. But uh, they've raised their uh, your the switch forecast to nearly seventeen million, which is pretty crazy and counting. Yeah, I so. mean for a year one number, yeah. Uh, and what's what's interesting is that there seems to the the support from both Western and Japanese developers doesn't seem to cease. I mean the only to me to my mind the only two uh, the the two biggest offenders of offenders so far is one Activision because we're not seeing any Call of Duty yet. And secondly, which is which is perplexing because you know uh, Shadow uh, 
sorry not shadow of the colossus uh new colossus and doom are both coming to the switch so and we're also getting payday 2 of all things so my point is it's not like it can't be done it can it's just that they choose not to and ea and the other one being ea but then again i mean let's be honest given ea's approach to gaming of late where everything has to have a service component everything has to have microtransactions and everything has to be online i think they're just waiting to see what the network infrastructure is like before bo- bothering but uh from what we've been given to understand in our conversations with uh, let's say the producers of WWE 2K18 where they've essentially said straight up that uh, we are that uh, that there's a lot of back and forth with Nintendo in terms of what their network requirements are and what the system is in place and i mean at the end of the day it seems to have worked because WWE is from the same guys who made NBA the same company and, and it's coming with everything feature complete exactly and if they're able to do that on the switch i'm sure it's just a matter of time before everyone else wraps their head around it but uh, yeah long story short uh, it seems to be one of the bright spots this year i think like you said the first one is activision i'd say activision blizzard because uh, like come on just dump diablo 3 on it it's like the easiest thing and you'd make a ton on it it's like the perfect game it to is, be portable but, but they're not doing it because blizzard uh, what after the lost vikings they haven't done anything on nintendo platforms I yeah think. and uh, i don't know what really bothers me is that at the end of the day uh diablo would be the best game to put on the switch uh considering how well it translated on the consoles with uh, uh with diablo 3 on the ps4 and xbox one it'll be nice to see it on the switch but i think uh what blizzard probably want to do and i hope they ca- uh, is probably link it up to battle.net in some way i'm guessing this is pure conjecture on my part but then uh, from a user standpoint that would also be cool because i could probably carry over my ca- character in diablo 3 on pc to switch which would be awesome they'd be okay with that i mean like microsoft is putting xbox live into minecraft on switch so nintendo's open to these things but uh, yeah a lot of people want hearthstone on switch for some reason i see absolutely no value in that because uh, it'll run worse than it does on your phone and it's a lower resolution screen and it's full touch and uh, the switch isn't really a device you can hold in your hand for like that much time if you're playing long sessions of hearthstone and uh, yeah it won't work in docked so it's kind of like too many barriers according yeah. to me diablo 3 would be perfect i'd love overwatch but it's probably not happening and uh, capcom's the other big offender who's just porting some really old random stuff skipping out titles like okami hd where it did have a wii version which sold really well so yeah it's a little weird and like we live in a world where uh, capcom refuses to port games which existed on nintendo platforms before like the disney afternoon collection is literally nes roms repackaged but you have bethesda putting doom skyrim and wolfenstein 2 so it's really funny but uh, yeah good for nintendo and good for people who play on that so. yeah all right then so can we quickly wrap up this ashes cricket thing like all i know is that it's releasing on november 16 and the price in india is i think dead on arrival so yeah uh, for those of you who don't know ashes cricket which is developed by bigan studios the same guys behind don Bra- the don bradman's franchise uh the 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 game's going to be coming to india for uh, for for 4299 and uh, there seems to be a 500 rupee discount for people who pre order uh, yeah it's a, it's a weird twisted situation the game's distributor is uh, express and uh, it's uh, essentially it's a weird situation this time around because um a company in the middle east called gk uh, has the distribution rights for india pakistan bangladesh and the middle east Uh, now the reason why they have all those rights and not the rights for Middle East alone is simply because, um, well, at the end of the day, uh, a game like this sells more in cricket-playing nations or uh, like you know India and Bangladesh and Pakistan. So uh, what's essentially happened is uh, Cricket Australia, who's the game's publisher, 
which is also interesting to note because the last game, uh, Don Bradman 17 was published by True Blue Entertainment. So now Cricket Australia, the actual cricket board of Australia is publishing a cricket game for PS4 and Xbox One and uh, eventually the PC port when it's out. Uh, so th- they've decided to go with uh, GK, who's distrib- who's basically become a co- kind of like a master distributor, and they've appointed E-Express to distribute it in India. Now, what this means is, because, now why I'm explaining this it, 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 it is because you because you have an additional middleman, it, you, have, you have an additional middleman, you have an additional distributor, when it should usually be Cricket Australia talking to E-Express directly, because you have GK in the middle, that also results in a higher price. Because at the end of the day, everyone wants their cut, right, in the in the distribution chain, and that explains why that could also explain why we have a four two nine nine price instead of a four thousand price or a three four nine nine price, and uh, which also means that one the game's going to be more expensive, uh, which also means that we're going to see people trying to push a five hundred rupees off on day one, because you know you're going to be thirsty or to sell off whatever stock you have, and it also possibly means that. Um, I don't know, 4299, uh, a couple of weeks after Call of Duty, uh, very disturbing to see what happens. I have a feeling this will drop price really fast. And which is tragic because it has a lot of features. Uh, it has a, it has a uh, creator mode from uh, uh, from Don Bradman, which basically means you can create the Indian team to your liking, put your own character names and stuff like that. But yeah, that, that, that's where we're at with this game. Uh, another thing is, uh, I think they're trying to get away with this price because there's no competition for cricket games on console. So they're trying to push as much as they can. Uh, we saw this with uh, Microsoft initially. They tried to like get like how much was it? Four seven nine nine or four six nine nine for Halo like 5. Halo Five at the time. And those games are now available. You get the seven or eight thousand rupee edition now for two thousand on Amazon. Wasn't Overwatch also five thousand plus on, on Xbox? No, that's on digitally. Xbox. That's complete. That's, uh, that's a uh, that's basically an oversight on uh, Microsoft and Blizzard ah, part. Okay. But see, the situation here is such where while I could agree that yes, uh, there is no competition. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, cricket is a mass product. All right. I mean, there's a reason why uh, Pranay's favorite company of all, all time, Hotstar, uh, lets people watch cricket for free because you're going to get numbers. You're going to have people watching it and tuning in. You make money on ad revenue. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying release a free to play cricket game on play on, on the PS4. I'm just saying charge what's fair and what's fair and 4299 isn't fair. You, you can't charge what people pay for FIFA and Call of Duty, considering this will not have the polish of a FIFA and Call of Duty. That's the big problem. You yeah, based on what we saw in Don Bradman Cricket 17, I can assure you that it will definitely not have that. That's the thing, right? Like, yeah. FIFA and, and Call of Duty have the brand value. They're going to sell. People keep buying them every year. You can't charge more than, like, what Sony and Microsoft charge now for, like, what's essentially going to be a game which next year there's going to be a new one out and it's probably going to be as expensive. And what's more disturbing in all of this is that you're looking at a 4299 price point and you don't even have all the licenses at least when you play FIFA, you make it, it, it's 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 called Arsenal and not you know uh, loser club FC and stuff like that. It's got the actual names. It's called it's called Liverpool, not Merseyside Suicide FC. My point is the names are proper. Everything's proper. It's it's everything it's supposed to be. Here in an Ashes game, you're getting two of the most blandest cricket team licenses, which is England and Australia, and that too only for the Ashes. So let that sink in. You're spending four two nine nine for a game that probably has how many how many test playing nations do we have right now? I think we have at this point maybe twelve. So two yeah. out of twelve test playing nations are licensed in this game. Mm. That's barely what less than like twenty percent. So 
I don't know. You tell me. There's that still team. more than my high school attendance. There we go. But my point is, do you actually see that being value for money? Personally, I think not. I mean, to put it in a perspective, if you if you go down to your local game store, you can pick up Doom for nine ninety nine. You can pick up Assassin's Creed Syndicate for nine ninety nine. You can pick up Watch Dogs two for twelve ninety nine. And you can probably pick up another game, and you'll still get more value for money out of those three four games that four, which will probably add up to a little, probably four and a half. and you still have more fun than what you're going to do with ashes you can you can actually buy gears of war ultimate edition gears of war 4 which comes with gears of war 1 2 3 4 and judgment halo 5 halo master chief collection for 4299 total yeah, yeah. let that sink in mm-hmm. so that's the point it doesn't seem to be good value at this stage and that could also probably you know uh, be a sign of the fact that let's not discount the fact that yeah this game has probably been in development for not more than a year year and a half best case but still i mean at the end of the day with so many other options on the market you think that they'd consider their pricing a little better if you really do want a cricket game i'd say probably just hold off for like you don't even need to wait a month just wait for like 2 3 weeks and there'll be a price drop yeah. it's almost that obvious at this stage or just wait for a month more and then you'll get that big bash league game so you can enjoy that on android and ios and it's going to be totally free and last year they had no ads in that game this year they probably will have uh, like ads and some kind of in app purchases if um like from whatever we know so far okay. uh, but you know it's still going to be a fun experience and yeah the game was quite fun to play even if it is not a full uh, like console game All right then. So I think we should move on to the games we've been playing this week. So I haven't had the chance to play anything. I am going to start Super Mario Odyssey very soon. But uh, Mike, what have you been playing? Super Mario Odyssey, surprisingly. So while I did think I'd just be uh, this just be another episode where I say, oh my god, farming in Stardew Valley so awesome. I probably played 15 minutes of Stardew Valley since the last episode we recorded. Uh, been playing a lot of Super Mario Odyssey. I think I'm halfway done with the game. There's just so much to do. and uh, like when breath of the wild was re- like reviewed really well i thought okay fine like it's, it'll be a good game and all when i started playing it i didn't see what the big deal was about until i was actually a few hours in with mario you instantly see why it's like so good and actually game of the year material and all uh basically like mario 3d world but made better mario galaxy taking good parts of each of these games uh this pick up co-op anytime works really well you can play on an individual joycon The levels are amazing. Platforming is brilliant. Uh, the new mechanic where you throw your cap or cappy on an enemy and you become the enemy—you actually need to do that for a lot of puzzles. And in each world, there are different kinds of enemies. You can basically, what's the word I'm looking for? In spirit or whatever, and uh, possess. Possess, yes. <laughs> in spirit. <laughs> so what the hunter becomes, the hunted becomes the hunter coffee. again. So. Uh, levels are really good runs really well but surprisingly i'm enjoying it more on like playing it on the tv instead of handheld i thought given how much they've been talking about it like 60 fps on handheld looks great technical showcase but no it's just you like the world is really good especially the city they've been showing off new donk city which is metro in the metro kingdom it's just really really good uh, and yeah there's a ton of stuff to go back to i'm just trying to like finish the main main story and then after that go back and try and get all the hidden stuff there's a ton of stuff so yeah so uh, based on whatever i've seen online so far like apparently the game rewards you if you like try to break it and find unusual pathways and yeah all there's that. a lot of stuff where yeah. you literally uh, you'll be like oh there's just one tree in this distance over there there's probably nothing you go to the tree there's nothing but if you climb up the tree and you jump on it there'll be purple coins which are mm. the 
kingdom specific currency and uh, if you get those you end up being able to buy outfits you get different outfits as well in the game if you get the outfit for that particular kingdom you get a bonus scene in a specific hidden room so there's a lot of stuff there and uh, just like zelda had korok seeds which had puzzles to get them this has moons and there are a ton of them and you actually need to find a set amount in each of the kingdoms to progress to the next one so mm. it's really really good music is fantastic it's like nintendo finally remembered you know oh shit we forgot to put music in zelda like <laughs> to overdo it over here and it just really really well done super polished game easily like game of the year material okay. so yeah been playing literally only that basically rishi so yeah i mean if you guys have been checking out the review section on gadgetsy60.com i've been playing a lot of wolfenstein the new colossus wolfenstein 2 the new colossus rather uh from a story standpoint super solid probably my top 3 favorite games of the year so far but disclaimer i haven't played mario odyssey so yeah and i thought zelda was pretty much garbage without amiibo so yeah i've been playing a lot of the, so that i've been playing a lot of that story wise definitely up there uh that aside i have been playing a lot of assassin's creed origins and uh yeah even our reviews up there that's been pretty good been playing a lot more of it again on pc and to me the pc version seems to be the best version of the game uh runs really fast runs really fluid looks really good uh very nice frame rate i mean if you ask me it's possibly one of the best pc ports this year from a technical standpoint uh I mean it it just pains me to say this cuz but I've been checking out both Wolfenstein 2 the new colossus and Assassin's Creed Origins on PC and from the two Assassin's Creed Origins on PC is better optimized which is shocking because this is Ubisoft we're talking about and they don't have the best track record but it seems that they actually hired people who know how to make PC games this time around hmm. so yeah I mean it's so much better it looks better the amount of detail is better the frame rates are a lot higher uh Yeah, it just seems to be the best way to play the game. And sure, granted, yes, you have the One X version coming out November seven. But uh, again, I mean, if you already have an ex- existing hardware, in, in my case, like almost three or four year old components with a semi decent GPU, you're gonna have a good time with this. Uh, so yeah, if you if you have a PC, check it out. <laughs> All right then. So that's about it for this segment of transition, and we'll be back after the short break to talk about Thor Ragnarok. Stay tuned. So we are back for the pop culture segment of transition and in this we are going to be speaking about Thor Ragnarok which is a new movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and to talk about that we have our pop culture nerd that is Akhil Arora Hey everyone and we have a deputy pop culture nerd that's Rohit Sareja Hey thanks man I'm moving up the ranks Hey everyone <laughs> and I'm your host Pranay Parab So uh first thing I noticed about this movie is the continuity um I mean it started from somewhere around the time of uh, captain america civil war right uh, like they mentioned some events in parallel with that and uh, i think there was some reference to that sokovia uh, incident which happened in a previous movie yeah, yeah. so that's the last time we saw thor uh, mm. he left the sokovia battle because yeah. he had this vision uh, about uh, himdal the idris elba character dying or something or losing his uh, eyesight and so he, he he ran towards back his realm to sort of protect asgard Yeah. Yeah, I can't recollect any of that, but uh, I'll take your Yeah, I got half it. half of that from Wikipedia while writing the review. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's just yeah. it's basically so you have to So that's becoming like a recurring theme with this Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like there's yeah, even the moment in the movie when uh, he enters the spaceship, right? And then he like see like keeps pressing the buttons 
and mm. you're like okay where is this coming from like i don't remember then like black widow shows up and you're like oh this yeah. is the spaceship yeah yeah i think we've jumped what bade ahead into the movie so yeah, for so people who are listening have no idea what we're talking about okay yeah okay yeah. yeah so yeah there will be lots of spoilers here so if you're listening right, i mean okay. you know tough luck I- i'm really sorry but tough luck <laughs> yeah then listen after friday when the movie comes out yeah, yeah so we're recording this on 31st october and friday would be what second november third third november yeah so uh beyond that like beyond all the continuity issues like i feel that this is something that marvel cinematic universe needs to address in the long run i mean you can't just keep making movie after movie like that that comes out like 2 years later and say that ha huh, this is a sequel which references some movie that came like 3 years ago and all yeah, that exactly. yeah i think the so, good part about ragnarok was that it does that very less though compared yeah. to other movies like civil war was full of this because there were so many characters coming from everywhere yeah. everyone had to be referenced and everything had to be done it was very convoluted but at least ragnarok is mostly a solo adventure for the characters involved you don't have to bother with what's happening outside but there are certain moments where you'll be left wondering what's happening and like why is this con- connected or something yeah so hulk showed up in the movie right yeah. so how did hulk show up there like why is he on that random planet you know that is something you will only find out if you have watched uh, previous movies you know like there's that quinjet reference right you'll only un- understand that more if you've seen yeah. movies but you can still like accept what they give you right yeah It's, yeah. like, it's, it's still not like that embedded in the lore as other movies is what I'm saying. Yeah, but think about it, right? There was that uh, video grab of Black Widow which you yeah. just mentioned, right? So that would make no sense yeah. to someone who's just come for the first movie. Yeah. I mean, which you probably shouldn't do because this is the third Thor movie anyway. But yeah, what are you trying to say is that you can you can't just watch the Thor movies and still understand them. You still have to watch the other Marvel movies to understand the Thor movies now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, it's it's no longer a like set of standalone movies which you can catch, and you know it's not like if when you go to a Civil War like, or when you go to an Age of Ultron. Yeah, especially uh, the the mashup ones that obviously you yeah. require to like sort of watch the previous ones. Yeah. Yeah, Although I do know, like <laughs> I remember going for the first Avengers with some friends. <laughs> and some of them had not seen the poor ones the thor and captain america they only seen iron man iron man 2 and they some, somehow like got through the movie they weren't confused that much yeah but then the i guess it was much simpler back then yeah but then the good news is that like this is all going to come to an, an end very soon right yeah. like this this particular arc of marvel movies yeah. uh, i think what is that thanos movie uh, infinity, infinity war, war. Infinity war. Yeah. yeah that's that's the first part though yeah that's coming out in 2018 yeah next year yeah. may i think may yeah. or june yeah so and after that i think there's the final part of that right uh, i think around that's yeah, 2019 yeah after that yeah. yeah so in another 2 years or so this will all be over so but that's the thing no i'm sure they'll they right, find they, a way to continue that exactly it's not going to be over because there's no such thing as over Thor itself you we uh, get to meet Doctor Strange again for those like it could be the first time for some who've never seen the previous movie yeah. and for some it might be second viewing so obviously the ones who the latter category would enjoy it more because they know this character and this is what Marvel is doing slowly and slowly they're replacing all of the characters with new characters so that's why we have Black Panther who is getting a movie in February next year we have Doctor Strange as a new character we have Vision as a new character yeah. uh, in previous movies we have Scarlet which as well so that that's already four and capital marvel is coming in 2019 so you have five to replace the original five and it all goes on for another 10 years yeah i love that uh, sherlock holmes reference in the yeah. doctor strange but yeah. bleaker street, bleaker street. <laughs> yeah once instead of like a two digit thing it was like a 177a something yeah yeah so um yeah. overall there, like there was a spoiler there ha- have fun people yeah i i love the way they introduced doctor strange though yeah. Um, yeah. that was a very nice thing but if you see remember the end of doctor strange they do hint at ragnarok basically hmm. the there's a the 
end credit post credit scene at the end of Doctor Strange's mm. him talking to Thor. Yeah. And it's basically that scene at the beginning of the Thor so movie. It's so. literally like it is sort now. of yeah, it is sort of intertwined. So if you have seen if you are like a ardent follower of the Marvel thing, I think they do sort of uh, it it does pay off well because then you can maybe relate yeah. better key, you know, it pieces together sort of well. But I think for Ragnarok as we said, uh, even if you've not seen the previous Thor movies or even Avengers, you can still enjoy it as yeah, a standalone movie. That, that's yeah. what the director Taika Waititi does, right? He like he literally sends them to a new planet. Like yeah. that that way the movie becomes approachable for most people because by sending them to Sakar, there yeah. are no connections. It's yeah. new for everyone. So that way it does become sort of more less attached thing than other films yeah yeah so overall i'd still say it's a fantastic film even if you've not watched any of the previous ones but if you watched uh, some of the movies especially um, you will need age of ultron mm-hmm. avengers age of ultron and you will need captain america civil war like at least so these... basically the, the two of two of the most the poorest movies <laughs> yeah. part of the canon yeah unfortunately you will have to watch those to like understand the context and to understand civil what's war, going on i feel like sometimes you can sort of get away with that because yeah. The characters are sort of happening parallel, right? Mm. So I think Civil War you might need for the next year, Infinity War, obviously, because that's almost like a sequel. Yeah. But this one you might escape with, I think, I think Age of Ultron and then Dark World. Probably. Yeah, and exactly, the Thor movies themselves. Yeah, so yeah and just to understand Asgard and all that, I think yeah, one yeah. of the Thor movies at least you should maybe watch yeah. before and maybe yeah. like if like if you want to enjoy loki more than obviously the first avengers then yeah. Yeah. obviously then you will get to know why he's sort of still in this state yeah so the doctor strange movie also i think you can escape with it because yeah, you know, it's yeah, like a cameo yeah. just like yeah it's a small thing yeah so it's not that big a deal but since you mentioned loki that brings me to the interesting character development for, for loki in particular so like my complaint with the way they developed loki until now was that you know i i couldn't see the point of having that kind of a character like such a major character uh, doing all those stupid things and constantly trying to go against mm. you know the heroes like he did not need to do that he was not exactly the villain in, in any of these series but he was aiding uh, the villains in in the previous yeah. movies so like i did not see why he had to do that when he is the son of odin and he is you know supposed to be on on thor's side but the thing is that he's also the god of mischief so he yeah. can't really help yeah. himself so that's like that's what they keep using right yeah. Yeah. Like, he, he he wants he craves solo power <laughs> he doesn't want power with other people around him fair enough but then you know in this movie the turn he took which is creating mischief for his opponents <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know instead of for his allies uh, that was a very interesting turn and uh, like there were quite a few scenes where you know i thought finally okay loki will again betray yeah. everyone and then you know we'll yeah. start hating this character once more but then especially with uh, when um, he was with that what's that guy's name jeff goldblum uh, what's that grandmaster guy? Yeah. grandmaster grandmaster so <laughs> you know um, especially at that scene when he betrayed that guy yeah, uh, yeah it, it was it was a lot of fun to watch and yeah, so yeah that's what like loki is like he's just he's him for himself all for himself he doesn't really care what side he's taking as long it serves him like that's why even with the uh, grandmaster like giving them the access code to the spaceship and all of thing he still like then betrays Thor yeah. and goes on his thing <laughs> yeah. which then obviously in the backstabbing because he's done it so many times now that Thor can see it coming yeah and also like there was that really funny character right I forgot his name the blue colored guy so the, apparently that was the director himself in a mocap suit oh like, I found out after <laughs> watching it? the movie okay. yeah. so that's like Yotiti himself dressed up in a mocap suit to hide himself and which is why he has that strong New Zealand accent because the director mm. is Kiwi mm. okay so yeah, I forgot the name of that character. I forgot the name of the character. Yeah, yeah. my yeah. name is Blah Blah, and this is Mick. So I remember yeah. Mick. <laughs> so yeah, that was the funniest character in the entire yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I think we should also talk about some of the new characters, the new villain maybe, like Hela. 
Yeah, so uh, in Thor movies you've seen this, right? Like Thor is like invincible and nobody can touch yeah. his hammer and mm. what not. But then until somebody can touch his hammer and break his hammer <laughs> and wield it. So in the previous one, uh, not a Thor movie, Age of Ultron it was Vision, right? Yeah. The Vision who held his hammer and yeah. Thor is like, oh, how did everyone you do at this? the party went crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in this movie, I mean, uh, Hela came around and then pretty much destroyed yeah. his hammer, right? So that's that kind of led to Thor's development. So Rodan, do you want to speak about Hela? Yeah, so uh, for those who are not aware or haven't seen the movie yet, so Hela is basically the firstborn of Odin. So she's the uh, first uh, child of Odin. And before Thor and Loki came along, uh, at, at least what uh, she explains to us is that it was a very different world. Asgard was very different. Like they ruled uh, differently. Like Odin and uh, Hela together invaded other uh, universes realms, yeah. and realms and basically and conquered them and it was it wasn't like you know peace for all and let's all live happily ever after so it was a very different time and she comes back to a place where obviously things have changed odin has changed his ways and you know he wants to live in peace he doesn't want to create war and uh, conquer realms and so she wants to bring about that change since odin is gone and she's technically the rightful heir of asgard so yeah yeah so then she attacks and you know as usual like in in um, the problem with the, having these kind of superhero movies is that the superhero is so overpowered that you need to find a villain that's like even more powerful than than the superhero yeah i mean so. and she's got some really good scenes again she's uh, hela is played by kate blanchett again who does a brilliant job uh, mm-hmm. in that role and you could give her the world's worst lines and she'll make them sound like they're like amazing exactly and i think the first battle when she's facing the entire army of asgard and she takes down the entire asgardian army single-handedly was i think one of the best scenes in that movie except if, if only the 3d was better i would have probably enjoyed it more but that was one of the most kick-ass scenes I think. yeah but that's probably because of the theater which we are not gonna that know. is also possible <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we can't really sort of differentiate like that okay. True. Yeah. although yeah. i like from the problem with, for me with YTT, i felt was like oh, the only problem because otherwise he's done a brilliant work in terms of color palette story and like character development it came down to the action sadly like i'm like i didn't like it, but i didn't, yeah. didn't really enjoy because i felt like most of the action scenes came down to one character taking down a horde of people and then we just we moved on to another scene like that kind of innovation we've seen in other movies like especially what comes to mind for marvel for me at least is avengers when joss we didn't have that insane long take towards the end we went from one character to the other character that kind of innovation wasn't there in ragnarok for in terms of action it was it was very straightforward he didn't really have like what what he wanted to do in terms of that like there was so much creativity on the jokes front and then the one line is front but there wasn't that much creativity on the action so the action scenes reminded me of this game called age of mythology so what happens in that game is that a similar thing happens basically like a person starts off as like a a basic character and towards the end of the game he becomes a demigod and his job is to take down evil so Mm. by the end of the game he is so overpowered that you can practically send this one character and destroy the entire enemy Mm. so that's what happened in this game as well and i think you know partly that's because of Maybe because of inexperience in handling like overpowered characters and like how what to yeah, do. Yeah, because this is like his first big break. He's yeah. done like indie like movies until now. So I felt mm-hmm. like that was probably that came from more of inexperience than not knowing what to do. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the thing is that with with overpowered characters, it is a bit of a catch twenty two situation, right? I mean, you can't like show them taking down everyone because that'll seem like ridiculous. Yeah. And you also at at the same time you can't show them being beaten down and defeated because that beats the purpose of the movie. So you have to find a fine balance in between yeah. those two. And I suppose you know in future movies we can expect better from him. But uh, by and large, I thought the director did a great job. Like it, it 
um, to make a superhero movie feel fresh at this point yeah. is pretty difficult so especially yeah. in the marvel canon which has produced like i don't know 18 or 19 offerings in the last 9 years now yeah and quite a few of them have been good so yeah. to come a- come in and top most of them that that was a pretty significant achievement yeah i mean uh, like most like for most of these movies that look really good in the trailer like i'm just glad that it actually uh, the it lived out in its full form and you actually the entire movie was actually enjoyable and it wasn't just like a very well cut trailer like we saw with suicide squad and mm-hmm. maybe yeah. the first uh, guardians as well maybe mm-hmm. i'm one of the only ones who didn't really like the first okay. yeah i didn't enjoy both okay. yeah, yeah there yeah. you go so yeah so uh, these all these movies had amazing trailers but the actual movie itself just didn't, just fell flat because yeah, even like that was like one thing for me like with the both the guardians what i felt was even though they have like visually and soundtrack wise yeah. like they're quite well made the humor always felt forced for me this is yeah. why the movies like gun failed in that aspect director james gun but like with ytd i never felt that i never yeah. mostly at least 95% of the jokes that were in the movie and there were a lot of them in this movie uh did not like they felt natural they yeah. felt like this was actually the character saying something yeah. they were capable of and not really like you know what i think we need like a joke there yeah it mm-hmm. wasn't like reinserted into the script it was I mean, the script itself, like from the beginning, must have been like properly fleshed out. Yeah, also comes with the f- uh, with the fact that now Marvel is ready to take all of its superheroes in a very lighter note. Yeah. You know, when they started with Iron Man yeah. and all, it was all a very serious thing. And Iron Man would crack jokes; he'd be sarcastic, sure, but they would not like go on to have the self-effacing humor, um, like with with their superheroes in the yeah, initial in the, ones. Yeah, especially like in such a movie. Right? Like, I mean, if you just consider the plot, if you don't like, you don't know the movie at all, you haven't seen it. If you just look at the synopsis, yeah, it says. It, it's the Ragnarok means firstly the demise of the gods, so that's serious in itself. That's a, it's it's like world-ending stakes. Thor has to save Asgard from the goddess of death. That is like grim stuff, right? Yeah. But that's not what the movie is. We saw the movie, and the plot is basically like a background element. No one really cares about that. It's all about people just having a lot of fun. Yeah. So ultimately, that's that's the thing, right? I mean, how do you go on that cliche, which is save the world, yeah, and turn it into something fresh? So maybe this is how. Because like the movie had the sort of the same sort of tones as like Thor: The Dark World, which is like sounds like yeah. menacing, and Ragnar could have been as grim yeah. as say the Dark Knight or something, or make it even as dark as Batman or Superman. Mm. But the director clearly saw a different path for the movie and executed so so well. Yeah, and uh, also special mention to all the visual effects that I mean, ninety percent of the movie was visual effects, right? Yeah, yep. so, that's yeah, what it comes yeah. with when you making the shooting movie in Asgard or something. Yeah, so like it, it was pretty well done. All the like scenes in space as well. Yeah, and uh, special. Sakar especially was like yeah. beautifully drawn yeah. from conceptualized. Yeah. yeah. So the way uh, I think in the in this entire discussion we have totally missed that Valkyrie. Um, yeah, Tessa Thompson. Yeah. So yeah. was another brilliant character. Like I, yeah. the, her introduction was probably the best part. Like where she like. <laughs> literally walks in this letter and just like yeah. falls down from the side yeah and then the element where she stands up and then does like passive grim style fighting where she like kills everyone in one go yeah so uh, <laughs> her character like also developed very well like yeah. starts with like a you know totally drunk person and eventually ends up uh, like showing the backstory and all and also shows that there is room for redemption right hmm. uh, towards the end so yeah. that really like i thought that was well done and also i like the fact that uh, you know marvel is not like uh, I mean, it's it's not becoming this uh, universe where there are only white people all around. Yeah. And, and plus, I like you know. the fact that they did never shift uh, Valkyrie and Thor mm. ever towards a relationship. The entire movie does not do that. Yeah. Which is a good thing. Otherwise, that's what like normally happens. You get a new female yeah. character suddenly. They're like 
eventually they end up making out another movie yeah. yeah i mean it it seems that bits and pieces that they would be leaning towards that but they don't actually end up doing yeah, that like which is not, actually they good they don't force it which is like normally it, yeah. what most movies force it right they yeah. like they put them in a bad situation the people fight from the bad situation and win the battle and the end of it the guy gets the girl like which is yeah. like a very good insane yeah but in this don't you think there was some kind of a chemistry between hulk and uh, her as well like yeah, was, yeah i think there was more of like friendly banter though because like she obviously they, they knew each other more from his hulk days hmm. than his like bruce, bruce banner, banner days, days. Yeah. so I, that was more of like friendly like just like i think camaraderie or something instead of more like i don't know romantic but yeah, yeah they could do that because valkyrie is supposed to appear in infinity war yeah so, so i mean they could move towards that or they could move towards thor as well i don't know which one they'll choose hmm. uh, okay that depends on the future writers and directors so roiden you want to talk about the post credit scene i don't know should we reveal the post credit <laughs> i mean there's not much to reveal <laughs> uh, the second i mean i think it's not about second one because i don't remember the second one what was the second, second one was the grandmaster one right i mean that does oh yeah yeah, yeah that was thing. just a funny and if you're doing spoilers then i'm guessing we everyone seen the movie is listening to this yeah. all right so i think then we'll st- it's uh, start with the first one uh, which is basically they uh, they've all escaped uh, sakar in the ship along with all the people from asgard <laughs> yeah yes asgard yeah uh and uh, oh sorry they have escaped from asgard, asgard not sakar yeah. Yeah. yeah and they are in space and they're going along and everything is fine and suddenly all of a sudden we see like this massive uh ship which Brown is like ship. 100 times uh, larger than the current ship that they, that they are in like suddenly appears and i'm guessing that is going to be thanos's ship mm. yeah which so is also that's all like, they show they also connects the into that like the yeah. trailer we've seen the teaser we've seen for infinity mm. war right the one where a thor like smacks on this ship of guardians hmm you seen that one no no i haven't seen the trailer okay so that so in the teaser they've, they've only shown bayat with the, the 30 second footage we've seen okay. is that the guardians are flying okay. towards somewhere and like out of nowhere like a bee thor comes and like smashes on the windshield oh of That's the like, guardians ship of the guardians so so which is why now i think that that makes me think that thanos is going to destroy this ship i don't know what's going to happen to everyone else loki hulk valkyrie and everyone and the citizens of asgard is the remaining one but thor at say at least will like be ejected from here and then end up there so the yeah. reason i think uh, they're doing that infinity war movie in two parts is probably it's going to happen in two different places uh, i don't think they will have enough uh, screen time for all yeah, the superheroes they have yeah that would make have. sense like you already saw the, the mess the thing is it's not like two part anymore so initially it was called infinity war part 1 part 2 hmm. but now they're not even re- revealing the name of the fourth one because they feel it's going to be a spoiler for the what the events hmm. so that's why the first movie is called infinity war and then the second movie is a second like a movie yes yeah, so, so it won't be infinity war 2 no it won't be infinity war 2 it will be called something else ah. which they're not revealing because as i said it's going to be a spoiler for the events mm, maybe it will be infinite warfare i don't know <laughs> or maybe it will be just like we, we give up yeah. <laughs> there's too many characters Or yeah like, so uh, insert title here like yeah i'm like, really I mean, worried about that because civil war was such a mess right like there was yeah. not enough screen time for any of them and, yeah. and that's definitely happened like yeah. it's impossible for not that to repeat because Now there are even more characters. We're bringing guardians. We're bringing the these new people from Ragnarok. It's impossible to manage. Yeah, and even guardians was quite a bit of a mess that way. Like you think about it, you know, there are seven heroes trying to take down one monster in yeah. one battle at one point. So yeah, you know, at some point you got to lose track of who's doing what and why is that person not dead yet? And you know, yeah, I think it's that. just gonna be the entire movie is gonna be like everyone saying one liner after another. <laughs> like starts with Iron Man, 
then ro- <laughs> then ro- ro- rocket like ro- reports to that and then after that groot says something teenage groot now mm. and then just like goes <laughs> in a circle to like okay st- started now action yeah exactly so i think they will have to figure something out like some um, nice way to do this because i don't think it's going to work if you bring all the superheroes in one battle at, at yeah, the I same think we'll, point it'll be much easier if you like sort of do multiple battles so like one battle yeah. happens on the ground at earth one happens in air and probably one happens in space yeah. and then you, that way you can sort of splinter the crew and have like probably one from each like mixing with the yeah. other so that mm. way one from guardians is what with run for thor and one with the avengers so that way you have cross linkage and then everyone's happy yeah already hulk and thor have established a pretty good partnership right so yeah i'm saying instead of like keeping everyone together like guardians yeah. fighting in one place you can have like them uh meeting with each other across yeah i mean you can send batista to like yeah i can send batista <laughs> with like hulk or something and you can have like iron man with chris pratt Yeah. and then with someone like from one from valkyrie and then you know what up something like that yeah so that mashup will be interesting to see but i'm not very optimistic about their infinity war movie simply because it's a very like too large a scale and very yeah. very complicated and plus it's the same director as civil war so that does not give me confidence right now yeah but i, I would still say that, okay civil war was maybe better than age of ultron yeah definitely yeah. and That's also because yeah. whedon was like joss whedon was heavily like clamped down yeah. and wasn't ex- allowed to execute his style which is why he left and now he's in the dc camp yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was quite sad though what happened with uh, Age of Ultron. I think the Vision was a very interesting character with a lot of potential, but uh, although Vision still has a, I mean he has had a hand to play in Justice League, which is coming out in two weeks. So that's gonna be interesting to see. Yeah, how so. he takes his approach. Yeah. All right. So what's the next movie in the MCU? Black so Panther is Black in Marvel. Black Panther is February, yeah. as yeah. we talked about before, and then after that is Infinity War in May or June. I think May, and after that is uh, Spider Man next. Oh, wait, no, 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 that's 2019. I'm confusing here. So So Black Panther first, right? So Black Panther first, then yeah. Avengers and I think that's 3. I think probably 2, I don't know. M- might be just 2 then. So this is basically their holiday movie, right? Yeah, uh, this is their holiday movie, yeah. Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, so it's a pretty good one and also like, you know, internally we know this that uh, the the earlier Marvel lets you watch the movie like gives you preview yeah. access and all the more confident they are. Yeah. So the fact that there was 2 weeks for internationally and 1 week for India is like a big thing. You mostly yeah. never that now does not happen yeah so that is there and also like i feel very like uh, skeptical about what will happen to characters such as ant-man because now that you look at all the other characters in the way they've right, developed i think that's the third one for next year ant-man and the wasp yeah so um yeah. like the original ant-man movie was like a bit fresh and like the self-effacing humor i think mm. most of it started there um but you know now that i feel uh, now that i think about like how other characters have developed i think this ant-man is not going to last for very long I don't think uh, like see the thing is that Ant-Man does not have enough pass one and <laughs> second thing is in the first movie also he did not develop very well from beginning to end uh, it was just like ha huh, I'm I'm large now yeah. I'm small and that's it then what is that that nonsense uh, hokey That's the only movie of the MCU I haven't seen yet So it's so he, he basically becomes re- really tiny like Yeah for like a heist yeah. he has to like become tiny or something yeah. go inside yeah, that, and then that's what I got from the trailer massive yeah that's one That was in Civil War as well yeah. and then the third one is he goes subatomic Okay. which is like quantum particles yeah. and like time space psychedelic drugs and all that so yeah he he just goes totally weird so i don't see him fitting in very well in this and i think at some point he's just going to be like shoved off this whole uh, yeah that's what like i'm hoping thing. with infinity war right like yeah. start killing characters yeah. like the only thing that's why like i think we didn't wanted to kill a big character in uh, age of ultron but he wasn't allowed to so only one he could do was kick silver Hmm. which who came in that movie and then went away in that yeah. movie yeah. so no so one really cared anyway with but now these... we need to like start killing big ones yeah. like it's too like it's become like too much now but with the i mean are they like fo- even civil war didn't no one died like come on hmm. like are kills at least one are they really following the comics or anything over here mm-hmm. for <laughs> highly no no because civil war at the end of that captain america dies 
Mm. So like Captain America is still alive here because they're too scared to like. Yeah. They can't like just be like, okay, bye Chris Evans. Yeah. Bye Chris Evans fans. <laughs> no, but if somebody goes, it has to be Iron Man first. Because yeah, yeah Iron Man will be the first, I think. That guy's way too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> that is true as well. Like he's been from the start, and like I think he charges like I think twenty million or something for yeah. movie now. So Marvel is like, so bye. Then, <laughs> let's reduce the budget. <laughs> Get out first. So all and that will also create a very good arc for Spider-Man the sequel as well because yeah. now he'll be without his mentor suddenly. Yeah, my dad died. What yeah, do I do now? Like his yeah, sort of foster dad died. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So just spur him on for that because that's supposed to be that movie's coming out two months after Avengers four, hmm. and that and the. Marvel producer Kevin Feige has said that that movie will basically start their sort of like uh, revival process of or phase four and how like the aftermath of Avengers basically. Hmm. Okay. So I think like Iron Man is gonna go at least. All right. Yeah. Hopefully th- three, four more. <laughs> so Royden, you wanna give your final thoughts on like uh, the movie? I mean, I don't think we spoke about that battle between Hela and that you know uh, fire guy, the massive. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, creature, whatever it was. Yeah, uh, I think we could we could probably leave that for the audience, though. <laughs> you know, I mean, just leave some surprises. And there's another what uh, surprise we talked about the whole movie. Yeah, I mean, we didn't really talk about the entire all the scenes and stuff. I don't want to ruin everything. Plus, there's yeah, a very we didn't nice talk about a single like joke. There's so a very nice good. cameo also in the beginning right. of the movie, which again I think we, we will talk not about spoil. That now that we're doing spoilers, come on. No? Yeah, uh, I didn't do it. Do it? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Matt Damon makes <laughs> <laughs> makes a cameo appearance uh, as. in Ragnarok as Loki. So basically, when Thor returns to Asgard... Uh, From like fighting like Sutur and like yeah, so his helmet. He returns to Asgard and there's suddenly like this whole uh, play enactment sort <laughs> of a thing that's happening. And uh, Odin is supposed... Which is actually Loki who's disguised as Odin is like sitting and watching a play. Eating grapes. Eating grapes. And they're basically watching the events which happened in Dark World, the end of Dark World. Except they are biased towards Loki because it's actually Loki sitting there. Yeah, and Loki over here is being played by Matt Damon. I thought that was a really nice... uh, So even the other ones are like good thing as well. So uh, um, Thor is being played by his younger brother, uh, which is Luke. Oh, is it? Yeah. I I mean, he looked really familiar, but I was wondering why he looked so familiar. After the movie. Yeah. And uh, Odin is being played by an actor from Hunt for the Bitter Weeper, which is... Watiti's last film. Mm. So like oh, everywhere he's done okay. like little things. But obviously Matt Damon is the biggest yeah. one there. Which yeah. happened accidentally. They didn't plan it. So they mm. shot the mm. movie in like in mostly in Australia and New Zealand this one because the director is from there. So he wanted mm. locations from there. Which is funny because they made I think Brisbane look like New York for the scene where right. they go to search for Odin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They actually didn't shoot in New York because New York is a hell to shoot in. And then they were in New York for some reshoots or something. And then Thor, uh, Thor, not Thor, obviously, Chris Hemsworth is like, oh, you know, Matt Damon is here. You want to give, give him a call? And that's how it happened. No. Yeah. Fun though. Like, I'm actually very happy to see that, you know, big stars like Matt Damon are willing to do these kind of yeah. small roles. Like, yeah. Yeah. Probably the best best cameo we've seen yet in the movie. Yeah, place. but yeah. at that point, I really thought that, you know, uh, what will happen is probably, like, uh, Matt Damon's character, that actor, will probably get stuck somewhere and then, you know, they'll go on a big rescue mission because that's what they always do for Matt Damon, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> saving Private Ryan, then the yeah. Martian. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, go, um, good good fun overall. So, yeah, yeah, overall, I would say definitely worth a watch in the theatre. Uh, if you can watch it in 2D, nothing like it. Although, uh, if you want to watch it in 3D, then I would say, you know, look for a good 3D theater like an IMAX, a good IMAX. 
yeah. screen. Basically. Although I would say like as much as possible, watch 2D so that tells IMAX that no one wants 3D yeah. and then they stop releasing yeah. 3D movies yeah. worldwide just like North America. Yeah, they so really they, I don't should. know why they're doing this. Like they've gi- they've relented finally in North America and they're like, okay, we give up. Nobody wants 3D, but like do it worldwide. Yeah, 3D is really not taken off. Yeah. yeah. Instead of that, like put laser laser projectors everywhere and give me HDR. Like mm. imagine Thor Ragnar in HDR, it would be amazing. Yeah, so many colors everywhere. Yep. Yeah. Right then. So complaints of a film buff. I think that's all we have for this episode of Transition, and we will see you with another episode next week. As always, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at Gadgets360. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, do write to us at podcast at Gadgets360.com. Now, if you've been listening to this show for a while, please do rate us on iTunes. Your ratings do help us a lot. And as always, uh, thank you so much for listening. The music for this podcast comes via Magnus Solai Paulson, whose album PPP PPP is where the tracks are from. Mm-hmm.